The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. Hey everybody, this is The Baptist and The Buddhist with Mark and Brian. And we are on episode 4 of season 2 talking about something I mean something very exciting that I love. <laughs> now I mean we talked about movies, we talked about music. Now we're going to talk about magazines. No, I'm kidding. I had to stick with the M's, but books. A magazine is basically a book, right? No. Books tonight. Um books. And books and let me tell you guys <clears throat> growing up with Brian he is a book he is a bookworm a book nerd if you will and I love to read he does love to read and like that's almost all he talked about growing up was what happened in the book he just read so this is going to be like a blast of the past talking about books or maybe not <laughs> I don't know I don't know <laughs> um Let's get some business out of the way first. Baptists and the Buddhists can be found everywhere globally as long as your country allows it. Um, sometimes they, they block certain things. They just allow certain things and block certain things. Um, but we can be found on Instagram. That's our biggest following right now for some reason. We can be found on Facebook and YouTube. If you're watching Twitter. this live, we're on YouTube, Twitter, we're we're on Reddit and TikTok too. Don't expect much out of us for now, but technically we're there. And all podcast platforms and or um, podcasts, um, I forgot what they're called. They they just pull podcasts from all platforms. Uh, Conjugator, I don't know. Email. Email at Baptist and Buddhist at gmail.com. We are even in your kitchen cupboards and your hall closets. We're not really, but. I was going to say, what's the maybe address? Maybe one day. Maybe. maybe, maybe. <laughs> we could be on your iPod if you have one still. <laughs> Download it, transfer it over to your iPod, boom. Oh, yeah, those were the days. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. Actually, I, I just had, I was like, hey, I was talking to my kid, and I'm like, you know what? I think it's time you got a, a music player. Talking about music last time, and I have this MP3 player right here that I was, I'm going to give her so she can listen to music. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, and speaking of email and people messaging us and wanting to talk to us, I did get a nice message from... A listener, Ulyssa, she commented on one of our earlier episodes on, and I was, I think I was explaining the Trinity, um, and I was using like a spatial reference because I don't like the egg one or anything like, oh, but she's like, she, her dad is a missionary um, to jungle country and, um, and he explains the Trinity as the sun, um, the the glowing ball in the sky the star that we rotate around um the sun it gives off heat light 
and ultraviolet rays, you know, rays that we can't see. Um, and the, each of them has an attribute to them, but they all come from one source, and that's the sun. And without, without one, really, the other can't really exist. And we can, you know, block it out. The clouds might be able to block some of it out here and there, but it's still there. So I thought that was really interesting, uh, a really good analogy, too. That That is really interesting because all three of those are part of the the electromagnetic spectrum. Like the heat is the infrared uh, light and then visible light and then ultraviolet light. Yeah, um, exactly. And they're all waves. And, um, but they're all different, They're all too, of the same. You know? Yeah, exactly. And they're all of the same uh, nature and uh, substance, if you will. Uh, but they're they're all like we can definitively see one of them at least, and then feel one of them, and then another one we can't we don't really know it's there until our our skin starts burning or our clothes start fading on the clothesline or whatever else all those do cancer and everything too. So um, it, it it definitely the same but different um but all from the same place all from the same source so i thank you ulyssa for uh for messaging me and uh letting me know that that was pretty that was pretty awesome thanks for listening too if we had t-shirts or something i would send you one but we don't we don't have any merch yet no (laughs) that is really cool thank you for your input and yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, um, back to the books. Books. Um, man, what is a book? No, I'm kidding. Is it a scroll or are we talking about codex? <laughs> like, what are we talking about? <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yeah, when we decided to do books, I'm like, okay, that's an interesting topic because, you know, the Bible is a book. <laughs> <laughs> we've already done sacred like texts. We've already done books, Brian. What are you talking about? Let me just reach over here real quick. I just can't help it. We need to talk more about books. <laughs> so, like, we've talked about the sacred texts. You know, this this is the Bible. Um, it has 66 books within it. But, you know, something interesting and I kind of did a little digging because I know it. I I knew this, but I didn't know the numbers. The Bible talks about at least twenty-two extra biblical books that aren't canonized into the Bible itself. Um, so just it talking about you know the Book of uh, Jasher and uh, I don't think it mentions the Book of Enoch, but that's a very popular one. I'll talk about in a second. The Book of Jasher and like the Book of the war of, uh, of the lords or something like that and just a bunch of different prophets that we don't see canonized in scripture but we see that they've written other books out there or even like some annals or um just just a bunch of different uh a bunch of different references because uh, we were talking about books i'm like i wonder what the bible says about other books um and it quotes like the book of jasher which i've read portions of it and it's very interesting um but books 
um, I, I did a quick, a quick word study. When, when you talk about Bible studies, you, uh, there are different types of studies you could do like word studies. Like you just look for the word and compare scripture with scripture and say like, what does this word mean here? And what does this word mean here? And really like the Bible usually defines itself. Like it can define a word for you. Um, but I, I, uh, I was brought to Ecclesiastes 12 talking about, uh, it says further by these, my son be admonished of making many books. There is no end and much study is a weariness of the flesh. Uh, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Um, so talking about books there, like, okay, there's going to be a million books and studying all of them. It's just we will make you weary. Um, so like, what are these other books that we can read? Obviously there are like way more than millions of books out in the world. Um, but to Christianity, what are other books? And it's kind of a weird question to ask. Um, but you do see other books. What are other books? Like, what do they mean? What are they to us? probably if you go into a Christian bookstore, you'll see a ton of first off Bibles. You'll see a lot of commentary on Bibles and you'll see like Bible study books. You'll see, um, you'll see, uh, like Christian living books and just tons of different books about living a Christian life or studying the Bible, or you'll see fiction too, like Le the left behind series and all that stuff. So, um, I mean books, it's just probably as varied and wide as non religious books, if you will. Um, one thing that I instantly thought of when I was talking about, when we talked about books was like, okay, this is the Bible. I have the Bible in my hand, but this is actually a study Bible as well. And what is that? Well, this is the Schofield study Bible. Schofield is uh, a, a Schofield study Bible is very prominent and favorited in the dispensational movement um, because of Schofield's dispensational teaching. Some of it is kind of weird. Some of it is not. Um, but what's a study Bible? It just has notes that someone basically puts in the Bible. Like you'll have like a letter next to one of the verses and like you can read the corresponding, um, the corresponding notes, or maybe, um, maybe it's even giving you a reference, but like this page right here, this half right here is all commentary. That's not Bible. It's someone's just someone's notes and comments on it so is it someone specific yeah so this this one specifically is mr schofield ci schofield um those are it's this is the classic king james study bible with ci schofield study notes technically speaking so um schofield has a lot of um following with the dispensational um uh, groups and I mean this he, he I don't remember when he did this or when he was alive it was a while ago it's not like it's like a brand new study bible or anything but um, so we see study bibles like that commentary um, 
and really, I mean, if you like a lot of people love reading commentary and love reading study notes and everything. And that's good too, because you want to see what other people think about something. Maybe you'll, maybe they saw something you didn't in the Bible or something. Um, but I think it, it's, a. Uh, it can go too far in believing uh, someone's commentary is basically scripture as well. So um, I, I've heard other, I won't name this, this, the uh, scripture or the, the book or the writing that I'm, that I was told about this, but there are some different types of writings that are basically just layers of commentary until it's like, not recognizable as commentary and people will start calling that like inspired scripture. Um, and there are, there are other books too that claim to be scripture, but in within the Christian world and the, the Christian umbrella, um, we don't accept those as, uh, canonized scripture, if you will, as inspired scripture. So that would include like things like the apocrypha the apocryphal books of the of the uh bible and usually that references the old testament apocryphal books but there are new testament apocryphal books and like gnostic uh books um and uh, so there are like those apocryphal books i won't get too much into detail about those but there are also other books that kind of coincide with the Bible that claim to be scripture, like the Book of Mormon, um, also called Another Testament of Jesus Christ. Um, there's, uh, some people will hold very fast to publications of their denomination uh, or what have you. So there's like the the Jehovah's Witness Watchtower. Um, a lot of people will claim like, oh, the Watchtower is, the, is their Bible, and it's really just a publication. There's actually something kind of like that within the grace believer, um, the kind of dispensational grace believer um, realm, and that's called the Berean Searchlight. And it's just basically a magazine with commentary on scripture or like maybe a devotional like message on like, what does this passage mean or something? And there's question and answer. It's really just a magazine publication. So, so we really are talking about magazines today. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And that's what I wanted to get down to. Magazines are key. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I was, I was interested in, uh, when I saw years ago, I saw that, um, the book of Mormon said, the the copy that I have or had, I don't remember if I still have it, it said another testament of Jesus Christ. So it's not the old or the new testament, it's another testament. Um, but that made me think of Galatians 1, 8. It says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel un, uh, unto you that than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I'm like, okay, that like any other gospel. And then someone's claiming it's another gospel like that kind of like, if we compare scripture with scripture, that almost puts a red flag up to me, up for me, not bashing or anything or negatively commenting on, uh, the book of Mormon, but just, just in my circles and my thought, um, and with other books being cautious about those books, um, Colossians two, eight, 
<clears throat> Beware lest any man spoil, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So you can get caught up in something, especially if we're talking about books here, something and claiming that as truth and fact when, when you're not looking at what the Bible says about it. Um, and there, there's also something to be said about like, how, how is like scripture, like, how do we, how does the Christian world like know it's, it's like inspired scripture or canonized, but I don't think that's for this episode because that can be pretty lengthy, but, um, uh, there's just a lot of, a lot of books out there. <laughs> Um, I, I did bring out one of my favorite non... I was just about to ask you, what, do you have favorites? Do you have a stack of books off to the side like I do? <laughs> I have one. I mean, I have two technically because that's Schofield Bible. Um, but I do have another one, and you're not going to be surprised, but this one has pictures. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, um, and another surprise, this is called... The Greatest Book on Dispensational Truth in the World by Clarence Larkin. This they do was, not mess around with those titles. Yeah, no, they don't. This one was written in the early 1900s, I believe, by Clarence Larkin. He was an architect or a, like a drafter. Um, and this has a ton of information in it. Um, but his what he's famous for is are his charts. He has very intricate charts. Um, and, uh, so this one is the rightly dividing the word of truth. And you can always find these on Google and stuff too, because people will copy them and, and, uh, in Bible studies, especially in the dispensational crowd, you'll see a lot of charts. Cause like, we want to make sure everyone knows like what was like Israel and what was the age of grace and what's the ages to come. Um, so Clarence Larkin has some really good stuff in his, in his, uh, in this book it's been a while since i looked through it and read through it but um he's a he, he's a good artist when it comes to this stuff uh, but uh it's one of my favorites it, it just has so much information in it you know and with this like he has some weird ideas that maybe i won't agree with and that's another thing like people might take a book like this and say this is truth like this is basically the bible truth but you have to remember that it was written by clarence larkin and not inspired scripture by the holy spirit so um it's a good book though i i really enjoyed this book uh, i don't do a ton of reading outside of outside of like bible study and bible reading um i've been trying to read more not really like related to this podcast or anything like i've been reading some tom clancy books here and there and um a ton of different fraud publications and stuff but that's just my nerdiness um um i mean when it comes to books like the one thing i really wanted to touch on was that the extra biblical books as well um, I mentioned like the book of Jasher, the book of the war of the Lords and like tons of different prophets into annals. Um, and 
I know there are some groups within the Christian realm that will really take the book of Jasher and especially the book of Enoch very seriously. Like it's almost scripture, but it's not quite there. And the reason they do that is because it gives a lot of insight into the biblical uh, accounts that aren't recorded in scripture, like what happened to, um, what happened to, uh, like, like for example, I think it's in the book of Jasher, um, in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they sin, they, they get kicked out of the garden of Eden and they are given robes or, uh, clothes of animal skin. And that's, we, I think I mentioned this in a episode before that it was like the first sacrifice animal sacrifice and God did it himself. Um, and there's like a legend in the book of Jasher that that's a, that coat was like passed on. And I think Cain was wearing the, the robe or something, or maybe it was even on Noah's Ark or something like that. Um, but I think it was, the legend was that like Cain was killed when he was wearing it or something. Um, like he was shot down cause he, had the the mark that god gave him but um there's some interesting like noah's ark accounts where the animals came up to the to the ark and two cubs fought their their it's uh it's mother off um and so the mother had to stay and the two cubs went on um really interesting stuff but the book of enoch is a is a fan favorite because of all of the angelic activity in it and you get to meet some angels that aren't mentioned in the bible and you get to meet some that are and you just get to see more activity in there and it tells about the angels or the fallen angels teaching man about weaponry and and uh like makeup and and sorcery and stuff like that um so hmm. When it comes to these, my my um, approach would be, okay, maybe there would be possibly some historic accuracy or some historic inferences in these books, but they're definitely obviously not inspired scripture, and I'm not going to take it as inspired scripture, but it's very interesting. It's a very interesting read, um, but a lot of uh, a lot of like the I don't want to say Christian apologist apologetics, but a lot of the uh, some some call it like the truth movement, like they try to talk about the the old the old world, like the pre-flood world, and like the angelic activity. There's some really really weird stuff about that that's really interesting, but uh, they hold on a lot to the Book of Enoch, and you know, Jasher and Enoch, like these books aren't like they could be historical they could be fabricated like in within the recent historical past so i we don't know for sure um we just don't know for sure and all of these other like apocryphal books and stuff they might have some historical accuracy and historical facts and uh matter in them but it, it it's left it's left uncanonized for a reason apparently so um, but that's for a different that, that's a different topic right there yeah i mean in a in a very short sense that's that's about that's what books are to the christian world to the at least from my perspective um 
yeah, I had another verse, but again, that is going to tie into a different discussion. So I'm not going to belabor that point. So there's not a, as much of an emphasis on like Christian living books as maybe other Christian traditions. Um, I mean, uh, maybe not to me, maybe to some other people in my, in my, uh, in my circles, a lot of people love the books kind of like Clarence Larkin and there's like books by Sadler about right, rightly dividing the word of truth. And, uh, uh, was it Stam something Stam he would write about, you know, dispensationalism, you know, uh, things that are things that differ was a good book that he wrote because things that are different are not the same. It's kind of like a, uh, no, no brainer, uh, like sentence, like, okay, yeah, things that are different are not the same. Um, and he kind of points out the differences in scripture and why it's different. Um, so a lot of people in my circles love those kind of books, but I would not be surprised if other people loved, you know, Christian living or Christian fiction or just nonfiction or fiction in general. <laughs> there, it's all just different, different people's, uh, preferences. Yeah. So there's not really a huge emphasis on it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's, think, that's really about it for me. Yeah. So. Cool. I, I, I'm interested in hearing more about like the, those other apocryphal books and, you know, what is canon as you know kind of a topic so maybe that's a future episode yeah um, and you know i could have fit it into the sacred text but that it's it really is a uh, a topic on its own yeah yeah so as as far as books in in buddhism uh goes i mean there are a lot of books on buddhism out there um I mean, well, I can which, imagine with like the number of sacred texts, like how much I was more just about is to say, there? Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, like those books right there, and uh, those, like you know, and that's main. That's most of like the Sutta Pitaka, which is like a third of what's considered like the canon. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, commentaries and you know otherwise like exegetical works because some of the canon itself is actually like commentary um especially in like the basket of abhidhamma which is very like secondary when it comes to like you know the sutta pitakas are you know the the, the teachings uh the discourses that uh, the Buddha and his main disciples taught, and the Abhid- Abhidhamma is are, is more like an attempt to kind of systematize the Buddha's teachings. Um, it's very, you know, it breaks things down into minute definitions and categories and. Uh, you know, by the, by the works of commentators' hands doing so, but it, I mean, it it can be helpful to under to you know if you're 
questioning something like what did what exactly does this mean you can go to the abhidhamma and like see how exactly that fits in to the framework of everything else but hmm. um but the abhidhamma that's a sacred text so i'm not going to talk about it <laughs> because that's not for this episode uh but i mean there's a huge compendium of just buddhist books out there um there's so much i guess to be said in books on buddhism um some of it is just you know taking a sutta and breaking it down uh kind of commentarial some of it is you know buddhist living uh you know or history or mm meditation techniques uh there's just so much um and so sometimes it can be very overwhelming for people um and you know books that differ greatly from tradition to tradition so it's like that's like that was one part of buddhism that really kind of not overwhelmed me but it's like there's so much i don't know exactly like what I'm looking at as far as because like you you might pick up a Tibetan book like a Tibetan Buddhist book and then pick up Theravada and they're very different in just like the language they use um, even though they are talking about the same thing sometimes it's just like the language is so very different um, from tradition to, to tradition um but i think you it just takes a little like getting the feel for what you're looking at to really know okay this is what i'm looking for but like because yeah, i think one thing about like especially non-sacred text books is like you don't know what angle they're coming from yeah and it, yeah. they don't label it like oh this is like this tradition or like this uh denomination like you pick up a book and it's like oh this is different <laughs> yeah i mean and you after some familiar familiarity with the different traditions and stuff you can you can you know usually kind of tell by who the author is um even if you're not familiar with them just okay that they're using that kind of like title for themselves so they they belong to a Theravada tradition, you know, or a Tibetan tradition, and um, but I mean, there's a lot of a lot of books out there that are aimed at like beginners, you know, you know, Buddhism for beginners. Um, and one of them I don't have, and I don't even I don't think I've actually ever read was it's called what the what the Buddha taught. Um, I'm blanking on the uh, the author's name now but uh that one i hear praised as one of the best like intro to buddhism books because of how how well it kind of describes the different teachings and definitions within buddhism in from like a very approachable uh stance and the 
the author is Walpola Rahula. Um, yeah, I hear a lot of praise for that book. Another one that some people that I've heard also is like, yes, this is a good go-to, which I, 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 I don't know if I agree if it's the best for like a, a beginner um, but it's called In the Buddha's Words. And this is kind of a cop-out because this is basically just, like, it's an anthology of suttas from the discourses. So you're not really getting anything extra except for actual discourses and suttas. But um, but uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi, he is one of the main translators of the suttas. Uh, the, at least the... the uh, versions I have and so he like breaks down the teachings in by category uh, and I think it's it's very useful to have the suttas kind of organized in a modern a modern way because the suttas the traditional way of organizing doesn't really seem very organized <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but this it's like okay we have specific topics and here are the suttas that t- tackle those topics and so it's very very useful um, it's kind of like a a day by day calendar with bible verses on it no <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if how accurate like how accurate that is but <laughs> it just made me think of it <laughs> to be honest yeah but but yeah so that's a this is a good one to just like keep by your side if you have like hey i wonder you know what you know what the if there's a sutta about rebirth or about uh you know whatever um and it's not like oh, I'm, I wonder what it says about um I don't know name some generic spiritual topic <laughs> and like there's fasting. probably not a category what like fasting yeah I mean you there's probably nothing you can't just like look up and say oh fasting but you know there's stuff on moral discipline and meditation and uh stuff like that it's it's a good compendium of relevant discourses um so that's that's a a really good a really good book but one of my favorite authors um one of my favorite books i'll just tackle my favorite book right off the bat um is by bante uh henalopa gunaratna or henapola uh Bante G, as he is uh, affectionately called by his fans, I guess. Maybe not fans, but... um, Followers. Followers, yeah. Uh, Enthusiasts. But the book is called Eight Mindful Steps to Happiness, and it's really washed out. There we go. Walking the Buddhist Path. And this one is just... It was one of the first ones that I, like, read and was like, oh, I, I get it. You know, it's... This is... Um, 
yeah, I, I, you, you know, it starts to make sense. And this is a great, great book that kind of walks you through the Noble Eightfold Path, which is at the center of Buddhism, of Buddhist practice, is the Eightfold Path. Mm. It's what, it's the framework for, oh, you know, I want to be a Buddhist. What do you do? The Eightfold Path. Um, <laughs> and it's just so, so useful and and just very uh, very plain English I should say uh, and there's a good there's a good reason for that and it's because he has written one of his famous most famous books bestseller is is mindfulness in plain English and and he's gone on to write uh, Beyond Mindfulness in Plain English. And uh, I think he came out with another, a new one a couple of years ago, uh, Loving Kindness in Plain English. So, like, he takes topics, very, very important topics in Buddhism and writes these very approachable books on it. Like, Mindfulness in Plain English breaks down... The whole idea of mindfulness, the whole idea of of how it is applied in Buddhist practice. Um, what does mindfulness mean? It's such a buzzword now and nowadays. And like, and there's a very specific use and purpose for mindfulness in Buddhism. And so, like books like this, it's great. You don't, you know, if you're in Buddhism and you want to learn more about mindfulness. It probably won't be very helpful to just go to the self-help section at the bookstore and find, ooh, mindfulness, mindfulness, mindfulness. Like, there's dozens, hundreds of books about mindfulness nowadays. Yeah. And not all of them are going to be from a Buddhist standpoint, um, which is important if you are wanting to approach mindfulness from a Buddhist standpoint. Um, so, I mean, his... And another one of his books amazing uh in plain english books are the four foundations of mindfulness <laughs> which tackles uh really like he... so one of the steps one of the eightfold steps is right mindfulness and so the four foundations of mindfulness is what that is um is is the right mindfulness and so like you can read the chapter in this book and it's like great or you can you can also like really dive into this one and really from a plain english standpoint really learn about the four foundations of mindfulness hmm. and yeah in his english. books are just yeah in plain english and his <laughs> books are just such a wealth of of no nonsense uh easy to digest inspiring insightful books it's like there's a reason why he's like my favorite buddhist author and guys um, brian can go on about this for hours <laughs> listen <laughs> um and I'm also, uh, 
have several books here. I'm probably not going <laughs> to get to them all. But uh, a lot of them do come from like early Buddhism, Theravada, you know, approach because that's just my favorite flavor, I guess. Um, like uh, Sayuda Upendita's book, The State of Mind Called Beautiful. It's another great, um, I think he's from the Burmese tradition. So, like, it's a little different of a flavor, but it still holds, like, the same core as what you might find in Bhante Ji's books or the suttas. <laughs> um, and another one from the, I think he's from the Thai forest tradition, Tanisaro Bhikkhu, writes a ton, a, a ton of books most of these you can actually get for free on their website actually i'll say you can get like all of their books for free in ebook form you can even like request copies and they'll send them to you hmm. um and this one i just was in my stack and this is called on the path it's another very thorough breakdown of the eightfold path um, Tanisaro Bhikkhu, especially in this one, like he also just piles on suttas. Um, so this one is great. It, it you know it gives you right understanding. What's right understanding? Here are the suttas that explain it. Um, so that's a really great a really great resource, I think. Um, but yeah, it's Tanisaro Bhikkhu, another. Another great writer with a lot, a lot of material available. Um, but one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite go-to books is actually from the Tibetan tradition, and it's almost, ex I think it's exactly a hundred pages. Um, and it's called "Practicing Peace in Times of War," and it's just a little great little pocketbook of inspiration and very apropos for today i know um <laughs> when when i feel like there's a lot happening in the world and you know a feeling of uncertainty i always just like to like pop this open read a couple pages and it's like oh yeah that's right you know <laughs> um because it's like Buddhism is Buddhism is very rarely about hoping for things like oh you know I hope this it's it's always like okay practicality pragmatism like what is possible what can we do now to make things better hmm. and I mean in short the Buddhist answer is like start with yourself and then you know and then spread that out to other people um you mentioned something that is very, um, very uh, characteristic of books, and it's like something to go to. It's recorded. It's a recorded document for a reason, um, and in that case, it's like I can just go to this, like my my favorite chapter or my favorite page, and like it can remind me of something. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of what like our sacred texts are too. Um, oh yeah, but just books in general. You can, you can learn. You can escape. You can go to other other worlds, and you know they always. Uh, I I I heard some from some like Facebook post or something like reading, like 
like when you're reading a book, you're just like looking at words and hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're looking at at uh, like little marks on dead pieces of dead trees. <laughs> And somehow that fuels your imagination. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of, like, a big part of, like, Buddhist writing is that it's a, it's a source of, like, inspiration and uh, and can help motivate you in your practice. Um, like, I mentioned Tenisiro Bhikkhu. He does a lot of, like, publications of his Dhamma talks and other monastics of his uh of his center i think out in california and and you find them all everywhere i mean even you know just looking up buddhist videos on youtube you come across just hours and hours of dhamma talks and you know and you can find a lot of them in text form and they're there so you can just like you know have somewhere to turn to when you're like hmm you know i i need a little bit of you know inspiration of motivation you know you you mentioned like basically his dhamma talks in written form and that reminded me of one author that i'm actually pretty good friends with um and i would be remiss if i didn't mention his stuff because he has a ton of stuff out there some of it is for free uh, a lot of it is for free on his uh website i think it's still school of the bible.us um but jim phillips you can find his books on amazon and he just came out with the dispensational study bible um so and i think it's coming out in parts but uh, he does a lot of ju- it's just like basic like quick down to earth but very detailed commentary like here's a passage Here's a commentary about it, uh, and he it's just very thorough, but like it's not like I mean, my past my pastor could write a book series on one word in the Bible, (laughs) but it's not belaboring the 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 word and doing the study for you, it's just giving you like a lot of his stuff is like giving you snippets about like what this means, and then like okay, let's move on. And it's really good, and I've I've read several of those, and they're just really good. Um, so I just wanted to mention that. I think I think you can, I think probably every religious tradition, like has some kind of commentarial tradition of, you know, taking one word and expounding upon oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, ad nauseum. Um, I know. My my first like introduction to Tenisiro Bhikkhu was a uh, a a kind of a series of Dhamma talks that he published in a book called uh, I think it was like the Mind Like Fire Unbound and it went it delved into the word Nibbana and the etymology of that and hmm. um, how it's tied to fire and but you can't just stop there because ancient vedic cultures had a different concept of what fire was so you had to like dig into that and it's like we just started with one word and we're like getting in getting in deep and yeah um my pastor did like a three-month series on the word series on the word but (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, probably more than probably more than three months. I'm just being kind of uh, conservative with with my estimates, but he's he probably went way further than that, and he can too. It's crazy, but yeah, those definitely like there's so much in one word. I mean, words matter a lot. Words have meaning. Hey, yeah. Um, I had another question for you. What's your favorite non-religious book? Do you have one? Oh, man. (laughs) 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 Oh, wow. But don't make it, don't make it too lengthy. (laughs) Well, um, this has been going on for years. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, man, I, I just love reading so much. Um, (laughs) I know. Oh, I, I'm a huge, you know, I'm a big, like, fantasy reader. Not huge. Like, I don't consume a lot of fantasy. Um, there's just way too much out there. But I do have some favorites. Um, like, the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. Always a classic go-to. Uh, not go-to because I've only read it once, but uh, I read the first book twice. <laughs> Um, I also, uh, as far as like fantasy goes, I, I fell in love a few years ago with the dark tower series by Stephen King, much different than the wheel of time as far as fantasy series goes, but wow, that was a journey. Mm. Um, and I'm a pretty big Brandon Sanderson fan. Uh, I haven't read everything he's written. Um, I haven't even caught up in his Stormlight Archive series, but the one thing I love about fa- fantasy is that it takes ideas of of religion, of culture, of philosophy, of ethics, and really throws you into it, like without you even realizing, you're on this like epic journey with these awesome characters that you fall in love with and care about so deeply, and these outlandishly foreign places and you come out of that and you know and and just very intriguing plots and you come out of it you know sweaty and you know exhausted and when you take some time to think about it you're like oh wow i just like got exposed to real world ideas that i've never even considered Hmm. and it's just it's pretty pretty powerful pretty uh pretty outstanding ideas that can happen in just reading a book reading a story that's the art in writing speaking of weird outlandish places and the art of storytelling one of my favorites is this this guy (laughs) guy, um, called uh, brian boring van union um i have a copy but i don't have it with me but um one of my favorite books of all time is (laughs) called damaged sandwich and you guys take it it's on amazon get it it's amazingly hilarious and strange and my kids love it i read it to them we're on the last it's a six book series guys um, and we're on, we're almost to the last book, I think. Actually, I think we are on the last book. We're on book oh, six, wow. box third is the title. So 
I love the, I love these other uh, these other books that are on Amazon too by him. Um, like, well, I I saw it for a second, but there's a. I didn't even know this was on Amazon. The Chronicle from the Court of Nightmare. Yeah, that that's on there. <laughs> and uh, man, I read like the book you sent me the other day or a couple of months ago. The sock market crash. Yes, that was so funny and good. That was like so. Uh, so interesting, but yeah, like honestly, like my favorite, like, especially outside of the, like the religious realm or the faith realm, my favorite books are those books, especially Damage Sandwich. It's just such a wild ride and I would be (laughs) remiss. I would be out of line if I didn't mention it on this episode. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, I know I mentioned before the show our time was kind of short, um, but, you know, the book, like, they watched this movie and every, or they watched this video, listen to the podcast, but the book is better. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that joke in there, too. Um, you know, and who knows, in the future with books, the book could be better. The book could be better. So just you wait for the Baptist and the Buddhist, the book. Or something along those lines. That might not be the <laughs> title, but it probably would be. Oh, it's too good of a title not to use. Speaking of speaking of Let's which, I also pulled a few books out of off my shelf that I thought were very apropos to this show. Um, and one is very much not a, like a book that you would curl up to by the fire to read maybe maybe but um it's called jesus and buddha parallel sayings and it's just each page is just like a a quote from the bible and then a quote from like a sutta or something and how very similar they are in ideas um but i thought that was an interesting interfaith kind of exploration as well as uh, Living Buddha, Living Christ by Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, one of his classics, bestsellers. Uh, hmm. Great, great book um, from the late Thich Nhat Hanh, which we we talked about his documentary in our movie episode. Yep. Yep. Plum Village. And there's a... What? That was, he was from Plum Village, is that right? Yeah, he was. That was his uh, his tradition that he had founded. Okay, yep. Was the Plum Village Center, or I don't know if it's an actual village or not. But yeah, um, but there's a lot of great like interfaith books out there. There's one, The Good Heart, that was the Dalai Lama, and I don't know if I don't know if he was talking to someone in that book specifically, but it was kind of a intersection of like i think it was mainly buddhism and catholicism um but also there's the book of joy which was the dalai lama and archbishop desmond tutu who just recently passed as well Well, i think that was back in december or january which subsequently was turned into a documentary um (laughs) that i just watched a few weeks ago and it was an excellent little peek into the 
the lives of huge leaders of both the Buddhist world and the Christian realm. Hmm. And it was, it was just really cool to see them as these, they were basically like kids when they were around each other. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. But wow. yeah. Um, so any closing th- words on books? Words on books. Um, just get a library card. <laughs> yeah, these days you can get library card and just read books on your phone with yep. that library card. It's yeah. it's crazy. Audiobooks as well. Audiobooks, yeah. Yep. Reading is so fun. There's no commercials, no batteries to charge unless you're using an electronic reading device. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, you could just like pop it in your bo- in your pocket or your backpack or your purse and you know, getting bored, you just you could just pull it out and read it mm-hmm. it's like it's wild you just and you're reading and <laughs> it's so simple okay well um i think that that does it um for books man and the, that spoiler you dropped like five minutes ago man you shouldn't have done that now it has to happen <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, um, yeah, maybe keep an eye out for that in the future. <laughs> well, um, the books, I, I know you can go on for hours about books, Brian. Hours and hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't go on it for hours that much on books, but um, I really appreciated the the approach to books and uh there's just so much that can be said about it. So thank you. Thank you all for listening to this instead of listening to your audiobooks. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been a good conversation. Um, don't forget to email us or, you know, subscribe, like share, um, comment or drop a DM in our inbox, DM box. I don't know what they're called anymore. Um, we want to hear from you guys. What are your favorite books? Yeah, what are you reading? What's your all-time favorite book? Exactly. What do you, What's on your to-read list? Yeah, exactly, because Brian probably needs more books to read. No, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem with books. Um, yeah, but don't forget to do that, guys. BaptistandBuddhist at gmail.com. That's where you can reach us at. And... uh or shoot us a message on Facebook yeah. or Instagram. Yeah, exactly. Or Twitter. Or your, you know, kitchen cabinet. Yeah, leave a sticky note in there. We'll see it. <laughs> we will. Well, um, I think that does it for tonight. So thank you again. You've been listening and watching to The Baptist. And The Buddhist. With Mark and Brian and the book was better <laughs> bye now bye <laughs>